With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittendaf, Lamedal, page 34. We begin six lines in Gidl bar Re'iloi, Shodr la Gidl advisu. This man, Gidl, the son of Re'iloi, sent a divorce document to his wife. Ozal Shlicha, the messenger went, Ashkecha, he found her, to have a Yasuf Nivla, that she was in the middle of weaving. Amar la so he says to her, here, I have your get. Amar so she says back to him, Zil, Hashda Meha, he says, go away from here right now. Talamacha, come tomorrow when I'm not in the middle of weaving. So he went back, the messenger went back to the husband, Gidl Bariloi, and he told him what happened. So Gidl Bariloi opened and he said, Thank you, Ashana, you didn't give it over. And basically he was implying that he was glad that she hadn't become divorced from him. So Baye says, Yes, he said, Thank God, and it's not bottle, it has not been nullified. The divorce document hasn't become nullified. Rabbi says no. When he says thank God, he means to say that he wants to nullify it. But my kamaflagi, what are they arguing about? They're arguing about whether or not the fact that you have revealed your desire in regards to a divorce document, if that's enough. Abaye holds that just the fact that you revealed what you want, but you haven't said it explicitly, it's not significant. Therefore, until you say it explicitly that you want to be mavatalit, that you want to nullify it, it's not nullified. Rava, however, holds that just revealing your das, revealing what you have in, in your mind, your intent, that's enough. And it's considered that it's nullified. Amar Rava. Rava says, How do I know? This is the Rav Sheshes, Ashkelah, Rav Sheshes, he forced a certain person to give his wife a divorce document. And he said to the witnesses, Rav Sheshes. This guy who he, Rav Sheshes forced to give this do- divorce document, so he later said to those witnesses who were supposed to write it, he said, this is what Rav Sheshes said. Rav Sheshes said, I should come and I should nullify the, the get, the divorce document. And Rav Sheshes said that you have to write another get, another divorce document. So what do we see in that case? We see that he didn't explicitly say that he is going to nullify it. He said that Rav Sheshis wants him to nullify it, or that Rav Sheshis wants it to be nullified. And nevertheless, still it's considered that it's nullified. So we see, why? Because Rav Sheshis said that he has to write another get. So what do we see? We see this concept that that a person revealing what he wants, even though he didn't say it explicitly, that's enough. And Abaya says, wait, the fact that he said that Rav Sheshis wanted to be the one, that Rav Sheshis is the one who was being mavatalit, this husband who had the get being written. The fact that he said that Rav Sheshis is the one that's nullifying it, so Rav Sheshis can't do anything because he's not the one that's writing it. So it's meaningless what he said. Again, Rav Sheshis have the power to nullify other people's divorce documents? He's the one who has to do it himself. So what's he saying this for? He was just saying a response to those people if the, if the ones who forced him to, to write this get had come along, that's what he would have responded to them. But really he was trying to do it himself. And Abaye says, How do I know my shita that if you don't say it explicitly, it's not considered a nullification? That Rabbi Yehuda, so he had the son-in-law of Rabbi Yirmiya Bira give a get to his wife, Ubatle, and then the son-in-law went and he uh, nullified that get. Tana, Ashkele, Ubatle. Again, he had him give again, and again, he nullified it. Finally, he said, he forced him to do it against his will. And he said to the witnesses, Quickly put something inside of your ears so that you can't hear him. And write it for him before he has a chance to nullify it. 
And if it would be true that revealing your das, revealing what you desire, is considered something significant, they see him running after him. And every other time that he spoke to them, he was always trying to cancel it. So if he's running after them, it, would be, it should be clear that he's trying to be mavatal, he's trying to nullify. Nevertheless, Abai is showing that indeed the fact that he's showing his das, he's showing what his intention is, it's irrelevant. So, but Rava will say, no, this is a, that he's running after him. It's not a proof because it could be that he's saying, quickly go bring it. In order that, that my pain should be over. That's what he's saying. So it's not for sure a proof that he's coming and he wants to be Mavatla, but rather it could be he doesn't mean to nullify it at all. Where else do I know it from? There is a certain person who said to them, If I don't come within 30 days, it should be a good divorce document. And he didn't get there. Why? Because he missed a boat. She said, Look, I'm coming, look, I'm coming. And she says, It's not considered that he came. Despite the fact that now he's been Magaladas, he's revealing what he intends, and that is that he doesn't want it to be done. So, so what's Rava going to respond? Is he coming to be mavatal to nullify the divorce document? There's a different problem. The problem is not that he hasn't revealed it properly, but because he hasn't fulfilled the condition. He made a condition. He said, if I don't come within 30 days, it should be a good divorce document. And he hasn't fulfilled that condition. So that's why it's no good. But it could be that if he was Megaladas, if he revealed that he wants to be Mavatalit, that he wants to nullify it, then indeed the get, the divorce document, will be canceled. He didn't fulfill his condition. Nandagamar continues, There was a certain person who said to them, If I don't get married within 30 days, meaning I don't complete the marriage, meaning he completed the first stage of marriage, but he didn't complete the second stage of marriage. So he says, if I don't complete the second stage of marriage within 30 days, I want this to be a good divorce document. When 30 days came, he said to them, I was involved in preparations for my marriage. So now, what do we have to be worried about? Meaning, what can we possibly assume in order to make the get kosher or not kosher? So if the issue is that there was some kind of onus, some kind of something that happened that was beyond his control, ain't onus begitten. We've already established that, that there's no such thing as out of your control in regards to getting. If something happens, you don't fulfill your condition, it's not fulfilled, and that's all. The get, the get works. If it's because he wants to be mavatal, he wants to nullify it, and he's revealing his das, he's revealing that he wants to do that, and in fact, so this is an argument between Abai and Rava. And depending on who you hold like, if it's like Abai or like Rava, will de- determine whether or not this is a kosher get or not. Hahu, another story. The Amar Lohu, there was a guy who said to them, If I don't complete the marriage by Rosh Chodesh, the Adar of Adar, the first day of Adar, it should be a good divorce document. Kimata Rosh Yarcha, the Adar. And when it came the first day of Adar, Amar Lohu, he said to them, I said from the first day of Nisan. So what do we have to be worried about? If it's because we have to be worried, perhaps there was some kind of mistake that was out of his control. He meant to say, let's say, Adar. He meant to say, I'm sorry, Nisan, but instead he made a mistake and he said, Adar, ain't on his begitten. In regards to a get, there's no such thing as an onus. We don't consider something that was out of your control. If you didn't do it right, you made a mistake, it doesn't matter. It's out of, it's it's too bad. The get is no good. If the issue has to do with the fact that he's being Megaladas, he's revealing that he wants, indeed, that the get should not be good, plug to the Abai Rava. So it's an argument between Abai and Rava. So that's the end of that. The Hilchasa Kenachman, 
We have three different places where we see the halacha is like a certain person. The first one is like the halacha is like Rabbi Nachman, that he said earlier that in order to be mavatal, let's say a person was going to be mavatal get and it wasn't doing it in front of the shliach, he wasn't doing it in front of the messenger, he was doing it elsewhere. So we had a machlokes originally, you know, you're not supposed to do that, but, but uh, if you had done it, how many people does it have to be in front of? So Rabbi Nachman said it has to be in front of two. So we're passing like him in regards to that. And the second thing is, so there's another thing that he said, that the halach is like Rebbe, in regards to two different things. One is that, if someone goes, and despite the fact that the rabbi said, that you're not supposed to go and be mevatlet, to nullify it in another place, and you did it. So Rebbe holds, if you did it, it does indeed work. Because we don't say, we don't say that we're worried about the prestige or the honor of Bezdin, of the courts. That was the first thing. The other thing was that in regards to the halacha, if you said to ten different people that you want them all to write the get, and then you want to cancel them, do you have to do it in front of the other ones? So Rabbi said that indeed you can do it even not in front of the other ones. So we're saying that Rabbi Nachman, who said that the halacha is like Rabbi in both of those cases, is indeed correct. And the last thing is the Nachmeni. So Rashi says that Nachmeni here is reference to Abaye. Abaye was called Nachmeni because his uncle was the one who raised him as he grew up because his parents passed away. So his uncle's name was Rabbi Bar Nachmeni. He was from the house of Nachmeni. So he called him Nachmeni. Anyway, so the halach is like him as well in this regard that we just were talking about that if somebody goes and he's Magaladas, he reveals what he intends, but he doesn't actually say it explicitly, that it's not considered a bottle get, you can't nullify a divorce document that way. We now begin the Mishnah. So originally, if a person had two different names, one name in one place, and one name he's referred to in a different place, or so he's in a different city, he lives in two different cities, so he would write whichever name that he was, that he was accustomed to using in that place. He's going to make a little hazakin, or make a little hazakin, or his made a decree, she kaisev ish plain to be called shum sheishle. They would write his name and all of the different names that he had elsewhere as well. Isha plainness, they write her name, called shum sheishle, and any other name that he, she has elsewhere as well. If they take on her oilam, in order to prevent a negative result, that people will think, if they see a name on the star and they don't recognize it, they know that he has another name, that people will think that indeed that she didn't get divorced, she didn't properly get her divorce document for her hus- from her husband, and they'll, then they'll think, her children are mamzerim, that there's something wrong with her, her kids. Gemara. They sent the people from outside of Israel, they sent to Rabbi Gamliel. Those who come from here to there, his name is Yosef, and they call him Yochanan elsewhere. Here they call him Yochanan, and there they call him Yosef. So how do they divorce their wives? I'm in Rabbi Gamliel. So Mingamil got up the Hiskin and he decreed that they should write his name and any name that he has. Such and such a woman and all of the names that she has. This was done in order to prevent any kind of negative results. Ravashi says that we're talking about a case, obviously, where he has two names and everyone knows those two, two names. Rabbi Mari, Rabbi Lazar, Kaimi Kavaseich. Rabbi Mari and Rabbi Lazar both hold like you. Tanya Kavaseich the Ravashi. We have a brayso like Ravashi. Let's say a man had two wives, one in Yehuda and one in Galil. Two different places. It's two different names. One is his name in the place of Yehuda, and one is his name in the north. 
and he divorced his wife who lives in Yehuda, with a name that he usually uses when he's in Yehuda, and he divorced his wife that he has in, in the Galilee, in the north, with a name that he usually uses in the Galilee. In the so it's not a good divorce, till he uses the name when he's in Yehuda, that name of Yehuda, that the name when he lives in that place, Vishim the and he also includes in that document the name that he uses in the other place, Imoy, along with it. When he divorces his wife in the Galilee, he has to use the name of the Galil, Vishim the Yehuda Imoy, and the other name that he uses as well. However, if he goes to another place, and he divorced her with one of them, so he is indeed divorced. Didn't we already say that he has to include all of his different names? So why is it that when he goes out to a different place, besides for Yehuda and Gadol, why is it that he does not have to include both names? No, we can hear from here, that there's a big difference. There's a difference between whether or not people know these other names or not. Meaning, so if he's in Yehuda or Gadol, so people know about his names in the other place. But if he goes out to a third place, where people don't know all of his different names, so then it's not necessary that he writes all of his different names. No, it's a good proof. The Gemara continues, Ahi, there was a certain woman, Now most people called her Miriam, but there were some people who also called her Sarah. Amri Nahardoi, they said in the place called Nahardo, Miriam, what do they write on the divorce document? First they write the name Miriam, and then they write all the other names that she has. But they don't write first Sarah and all the other names that she has. Because since the main name that people use is Miriam, so that's the first name that goes onto the document. Of course you do write Sarah because other people use that name as well, but it's written second, it's not written first. The main name Miriam is what's written first. Masisim, we begin the Mishnah. Ein almona nifras Ella Bishvua. If there's a woman who has lost her husband, she's a widow, and now she wants to collect the money of her ksuva from the Asumim, from her from the uh, the children of this man, may or may not be her own children. So the only way that she can collect it and is only if she swears and says that she has not yet received the money from her ksuva. Nimnumilahashviya. They stopped giving this swear, this oath. So he made a takani, he made a decree that what she does is she makes a swear, not with a swear, but rather with a nether, with a, with a different type of promise. Whatever they want. Meaning, let's say they say to her, okay, I want you to make a promise that you will never eat the fruits of a certain thing that we know that you like. You'll never eat bananas again if you, if you took any money. So she has to make that promise. And this way, when she takes the ksuva, so if indeed she's lying, so she won't be able to eat bananas again. And now she explains that we trust her that she will keep her vow, but we don't trust her insofar in, in, in as telling the truth. The and then she's allowed to collect her ksuva. The witnesses sign upon the divorce document because of a special decree to fix the world. Hillel Hiskin Prusbul when they took an Ha'ilam. Hillel also he made this concept of Prusbul, which we're going to see, is something that it's a document that allows you, even though Shemitah, the year of Shemitah, which we're in right now, at the end of Shemitah, so all loans are cancelled. But Hillel made a special document that if you fulfill the certain conditions, we're going to see what they are in the Gemara, this document will prevent the loan from being cancelled. So he made this because of a Tikkun Ha'ilam, a, a decree that would have a positive effect on the world. We'll see exactly what this means in the Gemara. Now we begin the Gemara. My area almana afilukule almanami. Why is the mission speaking specifically about an almana, a widow, even anybody who wants to get money? So they have to swear, they have to make a shvua that they didn't collect it yet. 
because we've established a bully farm, anyone who wants to collect from the property of the children of someone who passed away, so the only way they can collect is with a swear. So the Gemara answers, We need to tell you there's a special novelty in regards to a widow. We would have thought to say, that because there's a certain amount of chen, what does that mean? Rashi says that we want people, we want women to not be afraid to marry their husbands. We don't want them to be afraid to, to get married and think that, oh, if I get married to him and he dies, I'm not going to end up with any money. So you might think, because of that, we're going to be makel on her. And we're going to say that she doesn't have to make this swear. So, Mishum Chen Akil Rabbanon, Gaba. That's why the rabbis would have been makel and say that she doesn't have to make a swear. Kamash Malan. So we're coming to teach you that no, indeed we don't say that. And therefore she doesn't need to have to swear. Even a widow has to swear.